guess what? You have gold, you have something solid to turn to, an insurance policy, if you will. And what do I think gold's going to do? Look, I think ultimately it will be higher in dollar value, but buying power, gold is pretty consistent. You know, gold buys about the same amount through time as, as it always has. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I hope you're doing really well. Thank you very much for joining us. If this is your first time on the show with us, welcome. It's great to have you here. And for everybody else who's been here before, thank you very much for supporting this show. It's wonderful knowing that it is making a difference for you. Now, this is the show that gets you in front of your best audience and keeps you there. So uh, strap in tight. We're going to have some fun today because I'm on the line with the wonderful uh, Dr. Quinton Hennig. All right, you're right. I'm very well, thank you. I've got two feet and a heartbeat. I can't complain too much is something I'd like to say. <laughs> now, you're, you're a strategic shareholder at Crestcat Capital. We're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, your involvement with a, a, a number of the resources industry, how you got involved with uh, the natural resources sector and the likes, and going to take a bit of a deep dive, if you don't mind, into your life leading up to this point, because I know that uh, you're a geologist with uh, more than 25 years of exploration experience, and to me, that's fascinating because I've worked in uh, surface exploration drilling probably just as long. Um, now, I'd love to uh, learn a little bit about that and learn a little bit about your involvement as a strategic shareholder and just see what your life is like compared to many of those that you work with. So let's start off by learning a little bit about you. Where, where's home for you? I live in Colorado, just north of Denver. Fantastic. Has that been a home for you all your life? Or? Uh, pretty much, yes. Pretty long, much? Long Yep. Yeah, fantastic. What do you like about the place? Uh, the weather's quite nice here. Look, uh, you know, it's uh, maybe cloudy or rainy, maybe 50 days out of the year. Otherwise, we, we're probably one of the sunniest places in the United States. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love that sort of weather, but I do like I do like skiing and snow and that sort of thing. Do you have any hobbies? Do you like that sort of stuff? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, – we live down in the flats here, so – no skiing right here, but certainly up the mountains, great, great skiing. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I, I know that, uh, you know, being, uh, I guess, uh, you know, somebody who is uh, involved in business a lot of the time, maybe you don't get a lot of time to, to do much uh, relaxation, hobbies and the likes, but um, when you do, what is the main thing that you like to do? Do you do you, do you ski or do you play a sport or? You know, my uh, main my main hobby or passion is going out and prospecting actually I, I like to I have grandkids now so I actually take them out and go go prospecting up in the mountains yeah fantastic that's excellent um, and like that's the old style sort of just panning uh, we do a little bit of everything go uh, scrounge around on mine dumps do some panning uh, just about anything you can you can think of now tell me have you been lucky have you have you struck anything uh, look I uh I uh, consider myself lucky, yes. <laughs> That's excellent. Now, when you were growing up, did you have any pets? You're a pet guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was always dogs, 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 dogs. Yes. Yeah, what sort of dogs do you like? Oh, look, usually bigger dogs, uh, shepherds. Uh, we got 
uh, Leon burger right now. I've had uh, Great Pyrenees, uh, you know, usually big big dogs. Yeah, no, I'm a big dog lover myself. We have three Rottweilers. We're, we're very much uh, a large dog family here ourselves. And they make you feel good when things are not so good, don't, don't they? You can just cuddle them up and uh, they do have a tendency to make you feel better. They do, yeah. They make you feel better. Great foot warmer, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tell us when when you were growing up. I, I love to get some, I guess, some context about people's lives that I'm speaking with. Do you have one thing in your life as a child, or when you were growing up, that you remember fondly that you could share with us? Oh, look, uh, I when I was growing up, I stayed with my grandparents quite a bit. They have a farm right at the foothills of the, the mountains here in Colorado, and I went up in the mountains every weekend with my grandfather, uh, who had, had kind of a secret passion for mining and rocks and so forth. So uh, I remember that as a kid. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, with your, uh, I guess, your, your daily routines, you're very busy, uh, presumably. Do you have much downtime? And what's a typical day look like for you? Uh, yeah, look, I, I work mainly from home at this point. I was traveling, prior to COVID, I was traveling about 70% of the time. I've made some pretty dramatic shifts here. Uh, I'm now working uh, mainly out of the house or, or office. And um, I find that uh, I, I kind of have two shifts during the day. I work from about uh, seven or eight in the morning till about four in the afternoon on stuff here in North America. When yep. uh, evening rolls around, I, I you know continue uh, my duties as, as co-chairman of Novo Resources, uh, which is Australia focused. So, I have lots of calls with team my team over in uh, Perth. Excellent, excellent. Western Australia, they're going through some interesting times at the moment with lockdowns and the likes, aren't they? Very much so, yeah. Now, I'd love to learn a little bit about, I guess, the, the genesis. I know that you've always been into this, this sort of field, even from, a, I guess, a, a, you know, a hobby perspective. It's turned into something, of a, obviously, of a passion for you. When did you get involved in the natural resources sector? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, as I said, I kind of learned to love rocks and prospecting when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I went to work as a in, in an underground mine when I was 16. I worked uh, high school and college, uh, early college years uh, in the summers working for an underground gold mine here in Colorado. And I, I kind of had a choice at that time. I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should go into engineering or maybe I should go into geology. By the end of that experience, I, uh, I decided uh, my passion was more towards the geologic end, so I, I decided to go into exploration and uh, started working for major mining companies uh, when I was getting my master's degree. I worked for Homestake, yep. and then I worked for uh, Newcrest and Newmont, and, uh, and then more recently I've gone to work for the junior space. So as you know very well, to be a geologist working in some pretty harsh environments, it takes a certain type of personality, let's say. Did you ever find it tough to be out in the outback? Uh, usually the toughest aspect is being away from home for yep. considerable periods of time. I, you know, I, from, well, most of my career, I've been away, say, 60, 70% of the time. Uh, you know, you miss a lot. You miss a lot of uh, your kids growing up and stuff. Um, that is absolutely hands down the toughest part. You know, there are other tough aspects to the job, trying to run operating camps and remote areas and making sure uh, all the, the stuff is organized uh, to undertake, say, a, a remote drilling program or stuff, uh, something like this. You know, it's a lot of stuff. you got to 
got to work, work, work. You know, there's a lot of 18 hour days in an environment like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. And certain there's no, there's no shortage of uh, good deep sleep at the end of the day, is there? Absolutely. (laughs) Now, I know that you've been involved and instrumental in a number of amazing projects. I'm wondering if you could share, I guess, let's start off with uh, some time ago, the Kirkland Lake Project. Could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Uh, Certainly. Look, uh, Kirkland Lake uh, is a Canadian-focused or was a Canadian-focused mining company. Mm-hmm. For, for many years, really, and uh, Eric Sprott was the chairman. This is going back to 2016, and uh, in May of uh, 2016, he called me. I was in Australia. I had kind of, you know, advised Eric, you know, mostly on a, a no charge basis. I, you know, Eric's been a good supporter, good friend. Yep. And um, he called me one day, and when I was in Perth, I asked if I could go look at a mine called Fosterville. Well, I knew Fosterville. It's fairly well-known mine and up until that point it had been mining we'll call it you know low grade <laughs> yeah. you know four or five gram rock and it was barely making money uh it was underground at that point and uh the reason eric was interested is because they had just started hitting some high grade uh drill intercepts these were holes that were just out in front of the the mining uh front you know so it was yep. just they were they were basically living hand to mouth and and drilling in, in advance of the mining plant to keep that reserve base up was uh, key, critical to making the mine work. Well, they just so happened to hit some high-grade uh, numbers starting in late 2015, early 2016. Eric took notice. He uh, he uh, is uh, very fond of high-grade. You know, he understands mines and making money and margins. So he, uh, he wanted me to look at this thing. I went over to uh, look at it. I was kind of ready to be disappointed thinking oh maybe it's just a small shoot they found a hybrid shoot or something and when i got there i was uh i was actually quickly convinced that it was not just an anomaly that it was part of something that was going to turn out to be much much bigger uh i spent about two or three days on site i looked at uh, the mineralization and it happened to be a kind of a, a unique setting it was a uh, you know the more or less the high level portion of an epi- uh, an orogenic gold deposit, what we call epizonal gold system. Yep. And uh, it had gone from this, you know, four or five gram rock down into uh, some very high grades very abruptly. And I felt compelled that they were going to see a lot more of the high grade, uh, even though they had not drilled very far down dip. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wrote a report for Eric, said, I think this thing's going to be bigger than Ben-Hur. And uh, he ended up buying out the uh, the position from Luxor Capital, I believe it was. Yep. And then uh, soon after, um, the uh, I got a notice that they that from a banker that they were there was a party looking to undertake due diligence as part of a transaction. I thought he said, "Can you help us out?" I said, "Sure." Went down there, found out. Lo and behold, it was Kirkland and Mike. <laughs> it's not not too big of a surprise, but uh, anyway, I uh, I helped with that that aspect. Uh, you know, uh, one of the one of the more intriguing things that happened during that time, I did recommend to Eric that they drill a hole fairly far down plunge from where they had been drilling high grade, just to demonstrate you know there was some some uh, continuity or some you know, persistence to this system. Yep. And they actually drilled that hole in June and July of 2016. I remember getting to site to undertake the due diligence work, and they had that hole laid out. 
And what was interesting was uh, the hole did encounter about 20 or 25 meters of intense stockward quartz painting, much like you could see around the high grade up mm. higher a mine. But the difference was there was not there was no readily visible gold uh, evident in that core. And so there was a bit of, you know, that cast a bit of doubt, you know, well, is it there? Is it not there? Yep. I, I saw that quartz and I felt compelled that it was. I think I thought it was a near miss. And I told Eric such and they persisted with the transaction. And ultimately, Kirkland uh, bought out new market. At the time, I think a lot of people were scratching their head. But it turned out that that drill hole was a mere, you know, something like 15 meters or so away from what turned out to be the swan zone. That's nothing, it, isn't it? It, it was a phenomenal uh, end to that story. Yeah, that's. thank you so very much for sharing this. I love this sort of, uh, you know, real-life experience. It's amazing. Now, what sort of uh, holes did they end up going to? Were they kilometers? How, how deep were the holes? Uh, that hole was about, I think, six or 800 meters down plunge from the mining face so i'm going to guess let's see it was about a it was around a 900 meter uh deep hole the plunge on the the system is about 15 or 20 degrees so right. it, it it descends gradually so they don't have to go you know it's not straight down yeah, yeah. so they were able to get to it i think around eight or nine hundred meters i'd have to look back through my notes as I've said earlier, it's a privilege to, to speak with somebody with so much experience, and I'd love to ask you about VMS uh, deposits. Do you often look for or hope for, you know, uh, getting involved with other base uh, commodities, minerals, uh, when you do drills like this? Yeah, look, uh, with with VMS deposits, did you say? Well, look, any any other... Yeah, um, yeah. yeah look, uh, you know, I so happen to do my master's and PhD on, on base metal deposits. Uh, Fantastic. On I did my master's at, uh, you know, at Kid Creek yep. on the, the tin mineralization there. And then I did my PhD at Nevis Corvo, which is a, a copper tin mine or was, was a copper tin mine. Mm -hmm. now mining zinc. Uh, I believe the Lundines are still mining that. Uh, look, uh, I have a passion for VMS. I've, you know, I studied under Richard Hutchinson, very famous VMS geologist. So yes. I, I, that's kind of my space comfort zone. Uh, I happen <laughs> helping SK mining, which is, uh, an explore up in the, the Golden Triangle that's looking for uh, replications of the SK Creek deposits, the property right next door to SK Creek. And yes, uh, SK Mining is finding some very interesting stuff right now. So it's an exciting story. Excellent. Thank you again for sharing. Now I'm shifting gears a little bit. Uh, I'd love to learn a bit more about your part in the success of Newfound. Could you share a little bit about that with us? Yes, yeah, certainly. Look, uh, I'd known Craig Roberts, who's this current CEO, uh, for many, many years, and mm -hmm. uh, Craig had asked me to, to help look or help work on a project out in Nevada. And I went out on a trip to Nevada. This is immediately prior to COVID. Uh, at that time, I, uh, you know, while we were in Nevada, I met Colin Cattell for the first time in person. I had talked to Colin several times on the phone prior, but uh, I met him for the first time in person. And uh, one evening during that trip, Craig and Colin said, hey, you know something about Fosterville. And I explained the very same story I just yes. told you. <laughs> and they said, well, have a look at this core. And they showed me some images off their telephone of uh, some core from what looked like Fosterville. I said, how on earth did you get photos of high-grade Fosterville? They said, 
It isn't. It's from a new discovery. And I said, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. And after talking for a, a little bit more about the new discovery, uh, we decided to make a trip. This is when the company was private. We went up to Newfoundland uh, late January, early February of 2020. And uh, I got to see firsthand what is clearly another Fostable type discovery. It's an epizonal, very high grade gold system. Uh, it's basically outcropping its surface, but it, it's clearly continuing down, <laughs> much like the Fosterville story, it's continuing down plunge for a long, long way. I think long, it's long way. a very, very good story. So, you know, I've been, uh, I, a after that trip, I, I felt compelled enough that the story was going to be another Fosterville that we arranged a share swap between Novo and Newfound Gold. That share swap uh, has paid off bigly for Novo in terms yep. of value. Uh, the company used help that that valuation that we set during that share swap helped set the valuation for the company as it went to an IPO. It IPO'd in August, and it's been a phenomenal success. Do you um, take much notice of neighbouring properties in terms of topography and what they're finding? And because you would expect that you would have neighbouring success um, often, would that be the case? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, Lab Gold is immediately north of the the Keats and Lotto area, mm -hmm. uh, and they're finding similar high grade now. They've they've they're being very diligent. I you know I know the story quite well. I've been advisor to them. Uh, over the past few months and look the the story is very similar it's very high grade mineralization you got to be very patient diligent do small step outs to, to kind of feel your way into the system but once you find it it, it pays off and yes uh, in this case uh, newfound lab and perhaps even some other com companies in the region are going to all have uh, similar discoveries I'd love to learn a little bit about, I guess, the strategic um, work that you do and what's involved, I guess. What are you looking for? You're you, are you looking for uh, businesses that not only have, obviously, the, uh, the minerals in the dirt, as it were, but uh, are you looking for anything else? Are you looking for, uh, you know, the business infrastructure? Are you looking for the, the right management teams? I'd just love to learn a little bit about that side of your, your thought patterns. Yeah, most most of what I'm focused on is is geology and, and a scientific hypothesis. You know that yep. the the question being is there a big gold deposit here? <laughs> most of the time. Uh, okay, so you know I'm focused on on the the deposit, the yep. aspects of the deposit that might indicate it's big. Yep. Uh, something you know potentially world class, worthwhile. And yep. uh, you know as far as people go, yeah, it is very important to have a good team. Um, the companies that I've uh, either helped or been associated with uh, usually what I what I do is uh, I work with the team you know if, if they have people in place usually people I know yeah hey, it's really easy other other times I've had to help them build a team uh, you know SK mining would be a good example I helped Mac Balcom build the team that they have operating there now uh, so yes team is important because if you have the team then you can uh, fulfill your your first uh, goal, which is to test the hypothesis, you know, and then the next thing, obviously, you know, beyond the the property, the people is the cash. You got to make sure the company is cashed up. Absolutely. Now I know that Crestcat has um, made some moves, as it were, with a company called um, Blue Lagoon Resources. Could you tell us a little right. bit about why that occurred? Yeah. Look, these are these are stories I love to tell because uh, they. 
they kind of fall out of nowhere. Like this is yep. not a company I knew. This is not a project I knew. In fact, the project was owned privately for many years. Uh, but when it, the story was presented to me, uh, there was talk about you know taking a small mine into production. That is not my cup of tea. I like exploration. I like understood finding finding gold in the ground, basically. Yep. <laughs> uh, but what what really intrigued me was as we went through this presentation, mm-hmm. the geologist uh, who was was on the line, Bill Cronk, he started to talk about certain aspects of the geology, and it started to make me think. Hmm, I think this thing might be uh, a certain type of deposit that can potentially be very big and high grade. Uh, it's known as an alkaline gold system. Uh, some people will call them carbonate-based metal gold deposits. You know, it, it depends on the geologist you talk to. But uh, look, these are, are not all that common. They're fairly rare on Earth. But when you find one, they can be really, really big systems, and they can also deliver high grade. And I'm seeing that here. You know, I'm seeing the high grades. Yep. I'm seeing evidence that the footprint of the system is quite large. I'm seeing the right associations. you got... Uh, alkaline uh, volcanic or igneous and volcanic rocks here. Yep. Uh, got all the the bells and whistles. Every every box. Tick 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 tick. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Do you think uh, potentially there's a, a long uh, production life to this site? Look, it's a, it's an early stage story. This is all about exploration right now. It's about making discovery, testing that hypothesis. Okay. Mm-hmm. If if what I'm telling you is correct, if the company does this work and then demonstrates uh, that you do have an extensive vein system here. Uh, I think, you know, most people will rationalize, yes, this is a very big system. But that's down the road a little bit. Okay, the first step is to do some really good science, collect some data sets that the company needs. And I've talked to Bill Cronk about that. He's actually putting together the program to augment their current database with some more data. That's great. Okay. Uh, And the next step is going to be, they are drilling right now, but will be to uh, take that new data and modify their current drill program to take in some new targets, new ideas, and test this thing in a way that's more commensurate with the t- style of deposit we have. Yeah. If, uh, if that initial drill program pan- pans out, if we start to see high-grade drill intercepts over a big area in multiple veins, then, yeah, I think the, the hypothesis can be said to be true. And then from that point forward, you, you're going to drill this thing for two or three years steady. Excellent. And as you do so, I think the world will wake up and go, wow, these guys are on to a multi-million ounce high-grade Need to get involved. Now, I recall a vivid uh, memory that I have of walking with a geologist out in the outback. Um, as they were mapping, they were taking core samples, kilometres of the stuff, laying it out on tables and walking up and down, up and down, looking at all these core samples. It was a fascinating process. What? How many kilometres, let's say, would you need to inspect for you to get a good feel that you are onto something? I'd just love to learn a bit more about it, that side of it. Look, uh, you know, I mean, I think what you're saying is not not necessarily to, to define a resource, but to just get comfort around. Yeah, that's uh, correct. The hypothesis of, of what you're drilling is indeed what you think it is. Look, yeah. In this case, I would say, you know, a few thousand meters, maybe somewhere between five and 10,000 meters is probably going to give us most of our initial answer. You know, mm-hmm. is this is this truly one of these carbonate-based metal uh, gold systems? If so... Uh, it means you're going to be drilling a lot more, okay? But I think at that point, after say 10,000 meters in this case, 
I would feel very comfortable that, uh, and, and assuming that the data comes back like you hope, you see, again, multiple high-grade veins uh, and, and a pretty wide distribution, both uh, laterally and vertically. Yes. Uh, if you see that, then, yep, I, I would say that gives you the confidence to, to pull the ripcord and drill, you know, start drilling this thing uh, out at resource level. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those uh, probabilities as well, isn't it? Once you've got as, enough data due on the balance of probabilities, well, let's go forward with this. Now, I know that Blue Lagoon Resources have multi-project uh, sites. Are you involved uh, or interested in any of the other projects that are going on? Uh, to be frank, no, I haven't even uh, really done much of a dive into those. Uh, Dome Mountain is my focus. I think yep. this is a winner. I think it could be the next Beritica or, you know, Kellyan deposit or, you know, pick your favorite carbonate-based metal gold system. This thing has the potential to deliver multiples for the company. So uh, I'm, I'm focused like a laser on this one. Now, I'd love to, to talk with you a little bit off track uh, slightly in terms of uh, gold. Um, you know, why gold, why now is a, is a question I common, uh, like to ask. And what's your opinion of gold in terms of, you know, the, the federal government seemingly uh, willing to just print trillions and trillions of dollars? And, and what's the intrinsic value of gold by comparison? Yeah, look, uh, you know, gold is valued in dollars, but gold is really should be valued in gold. <laughs> Yeah, of course. First, first comment: Gold is really an insurance policy. Uh, if people own gold, they have safety against devaluing currencies. That's what we're seeing right now. You know, when's the best time to have an insurance policy? Well, you know, when there's raging forest fires around you, or hurricanes coming ashore, or you know, whatever metaphor you want here. But we've got all sorts of trouble brewing in the financial system right now. Yeah. Really, to the point where no, none of none of us, you know, I, you know, I talk to really smart people, and I don't think anybody has a clue how this is all going to unfold. But mm. guess what? You have a, you have gold. You have something solid to turn to, uh, an insurance policy, if you will. And what do I think gold's going to do? Look, I think ultimately it will be higher in uh, dollar value, absolutely. Uh, but buying power, gold is pretty consistent. You know, gold uh, buys about the same amount through time as as it always has. You know, you, you know, you've heard the metaphor about, or the, uh, you know, this, the anecdote rather about, uh, you know, it took about an ounce of gold to buy a proper man's toga and belt and sandals and stuff back in Roman time. Guess what? Yep. It takes about an ounce to buy a proper suit these days, you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a relative. Yep. Yeah. Thank you again. I'm loving this call. It's just the insight you've been willing to share. It's, it's phenomenal. Thank you. Now, I, I know that there's talk of, um, uh, at the moment, we're going through this cycle and we're just about to, you know, we're in the midst of the biggest bubble in history. What are your thoughts on that? Look, uh, it's gonna. It's not going to be a smooth line. It's going to be a bit of up and down. Uh, you look at the 1970s, uh, there were three inflationary cycles within the space of a decade. I think we're going to go through similar times here. Uh, it's it's not going to be where everybody wakes up one morning and you know that's invested in silver and gold, and they all of a sudden they feel filthy rich. That's not how this works. There's going to be a lot of pain that comes along with this, not necessarily for gold investors, but you know for the the greater uh, economic system. Um, I think we're going to see kind of waves form, uh, volatile waves form over the next decade, but ultimately. You know, gold will peak out as the whole fiat system kind of falls on its ass. <laughs> now, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, it's almost becoming somewhat of a dirty word to some people, but cryptocurrency, what's your opinion of that sort of space? You know, look, uh, at the end of the day, 
cryptocurrency if if uh, governments were to intervene if there were laws you know new laws imposed around taxes or yep. or uh, trading ability to trade and or if for some reason the internet doesn't work or you lose your your zip drive or whatever yep. you know like uh, <laughs> so many variables. Know, that's not a fun ending. Okay, I like gold. Uh, it doesn't tend to disappear magically. Uh, I can understand gold. It does not require uh, a ledger or it's a tangible thing or whatever. It's a very tangible, tangible thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I it's it. I heard somebody recently say that uh, the first uh, bar of gold that was ever produced is still that bar of gold. You know, it doesn't really go anywhere, does it? In many respects, exactly. I got the same, you know, when I was a kid, I got the same gold that I found back then in a little tiny bottle. Yeah, beautiful, and <laughs> keep that safe and secure. That's for sure. And so now, <laughs> with Crestcap Capital, um, um, the primary driver is gold. Uh, are there any other interests for the organization? Um, look, the the I'd say ninety percent of the assets we have, you know, are, are gold companies, mainly exploration. Uh, I should say gold and silver. Uh, but we do have some exposure to base metal. We, you know, the underlying macro thesis is we are going into an inflationary period, and that will benefit. Uh, it'll benefit all things, you know, like uh, all commodities, metal commodities. So, um, I I think that we have a very solid thesis that yep. is going to pay off big time over the next few years. Thank you very much. I, I wonder if um, if people are on this call and they they want to learn a little bit more about um, uh, Crestcat uh, Capital, where are they likely to find you? Sure, uh, Crestcat.net is how you find uh, out more about Crestcat and the funds that we run. Uh, I obviously had the Precious Metal Group. Uh, I, you know, I'm responsible for picking most of the, the investment opportunities in the precious metal space. Uh, but we also have uh, uh, macro funds that uh, that also do quite well. They're more contrarian space uh, based on the current view that inflation is coming and there will be uh, a financial meltdown uh, sometime yep. in the not too distant future. So I would encourage people to go to the website, read a bit about each of the funds, the background of Kevin Smith and Tavi Costa. I think you'll find that the group is, is an exceptional team, very smart people. And then also, you know, Blue Lagoon here, bluelagoonresources.com to find out as much as you can about the, the, the company that we're talking about. Yeah, this has been just one of those calls that we could take on so many different directions. We are literally just scratching the surface of the exciting story that is unfolding in front of us with uh, Crestcat and, and Blue Lagoon. And uh, it's been such a wonderful opportunity having you on the show today. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.